Wow. Andy Warren here. What a crazy few hours it's been at Ipswich Town Football Club. Marcus Evans has sold to Game Changer 20 Limited in a deal understood to be worth £40 million, meaning the Blues are now under American ownership. Game Changer are made up of the three Lions group. That's Brett Johnson, Burke Bakai and Mark Detmer, with almost all of the financial input coming via an American investment group. There's a new chairman too, in the form of Mike O'Leary, and he and Mr Johnson gave a press conference last night following their purchase of the club. You can listen to that in its entirety right here, with a full Kings of Anglia episode coming later today as we break down one of the biggest days in the history of Ipswich Town. So let's jump in and hear from Brett Johnson and Mike O'Leary. The first voice you'll hear is James Cooper from Sky Sports. Good evening, uh, Mike. Good evening, Brett. Uh, Brett, welcome to Suffolk virtually. Mike, welcome to Suffolk. I hope those files aren't evidence of huge due diligence. <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, welcome to Suffolk and welcome to the club. I mean, 14 years ago, Ipswich Town fans were celebrating when Marcus came to town. Uh, the same fans will be celebrating tonight. But I think, although football's not a game of certainties, what can you say to them and what can you perhaps promise them? Who's answering? Up to you. Well, I'm, I'm happy to jump in and say, um, with any football club, we're not really the owners. It's the fans who are really the owners. And for us to deem that we've succeeded during our tenure, we have to make sure that the club is in better condition, better shape than when we start. And if we can achieve that, I think we'll be happy. Uh, and, and that's the measure. The, the measure of an owner is whether the club is in a better shape, in my opinion. Brett, how long has this been in the making and, and why Ipswich Town? Uh, it goes back several years. Um, I, from my perspective, um, in a prior life, I had the pleasure of living in England for five years. Um, and I came back to the States with the interest and aspiration of investing in professional football. I started in Phoenix and I've expanded in several markets in the States beyond that. Uh, but from my perspective, anyone who's invested in the fo- sport of football, England is 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 the ultimate. It's where you, you should need and want to be. And I think when you take it from that landscape and you start to look at opportunities specifically in England, uh, with all humility and candor, I, I'm biased now, very biased, but there's no better place than Ipswich. I, I think it's inevitable that fans want to know how much money you're going to spend on players. That happens with takeovers, but I think it also... <laughs> agree both of you that the ground the training ground the infrastructure the support staff there's an awful lot that needs the attention of, of good owners isn't the Brett yeah I've never had the honor and pleasure I can't wait to go visit Portman Road um, directly but but that being said yes we intend on investing both on and off the pitch um, you know consistent with certainly what we've been doing in Phoenix and what, what I'm doing um, in some other markets but uh we, we, we're excited to roll up the sleeves and, again, invest both on and off the pitch um, to, to make, make this uh, right, rightfully the, the incredible um, asset and pride that everyone has in the club and, and continue to kind of take it up from there. Mike, it sounds as though you're going to be at the coalface or perhaps on the farm. Um, <laughs> well, what's, what's the plan? What's the trajectory? What's the timeline? And, 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 and as, as I've just said to Brett there, there are an awful lot of things that money needs to be spent on, aren't there? There's, there's a lot of competing priorities, absolutely. Uh, and one of the tasks that we will have as owners will be to get those priorities in the right order. Uh, and usually um, the team comes top of that list um, because much 
would love to have I think you could eat your dinner off the seats. It would not matter at all if we weren't winning football matches. So the team will come first. And, and that in itself has challenges of differentiation between the academy and the, and the first team and the facilities we've got to keep people fit and all of the rest of those things. So, yeah, lots of uh, items trying to grab our attention for being first on the list. Um, and I, I think, yes, I am at the coal face, but I'm non-executive. Uh, I'm the non-executive chairman once we've hired a CEO who will be hands-on full-time. Um, but that doesn't mean to say you won't see me. Uh, yes, I will be at the stadium for a couple of days a week. Uh, and I'll be at every single game I can make. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll be part of it and I'll be the sounding board for the CEO. Uh, and we both, um, I think, Brett at, at Phoenix and, and I at other British clubs have experience that is relevant for the I think that all that helps. And fair to say in the short term, the hope is we won't be with a fair win, playoffs and, and championship football next season. But certainly that's the, the primary goal, isn't it? Well, I think you would say we'd be delighted if we went up this year. Um, but you also have to say we've got some work to do to achieve that too. We haven't been on the greatest of runs and momentum at this time of year is critical. So we, to make it this year, we, we need a little bit of luck, a following win, a couple of results to go for us. And if we make it, fantastic. And if we don't, well, we will obviously target it next year and the year after. And, and it's a priority for us. And just a couple more from me, if you would. Um, Paul Cook, where does he fit into your plans? I mean, I mean, clearly he's made a lot of people excited, but we don't know whether he was your man or whether he was the previous owner's man. Well, we, we talked to Marcus about it. Um, he wanted to make a change and we compared notes and lo and behold, discovered that Mr. Cook was number one on both of our lists. So that was great. And in fact, I was able to share that information with Paul earlier today and, and I think he was delighted by that because obviously you get a change of owner it often results in another change of manager and that will not be the situation here um, we, we rate Paul very highly. Brett if I can ask you my final question I'm not going to ask you the, the name the 1981 UEFA Cup team or the 1978 FA Cup team that's not fair other people have tried that in the past but what do you know about the heritage of Ipswich Town Football Club because it's something you've spoken about in the statements you put out. Yeah, I mean, I, I know enough to have complete reverence and respect to, to what we have the opportunity to be a part of. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it goes without saying, uh, you know, the history and pedigree of the club, you know, wh whether from Alf Ramsey, you know, Sir Bobby, et cetera. What I would say is, you know, what's clear relative to the iconic stadium at Portman Road. Um, and then, you know, I have a relationship and I give a lot of credit to, I, I early on in Arizona United, I hired Frank Yollop. To uh, and which was a which was a big hire and to Frank's credit, he went from MLS, the the penultimate league in the United States, and he came down to at the time you know the United Soccer League, and that was a huge vote of confidence to the USL, um, to that league, and it was a huge, it meant the world to me. Um, but and, and it also started to give me an appreciation and respect for his history with Ipswich, and so I like to think in some small part as Bear K, Mark Detmer, and I started thinking about making an investment in England. And we linked up with, with Michael um, and we started to think about, you know, where, where we'd want to try to focus our attention. I'm thrilled that it's led to this. And, and, and to that point, I want to give a, a lot of credit to Michael O'Leary because uh, he, he's really done a brilliant job 
helping to put us uh, into this position. And by extension, I want to thank Marcus Evans because none of this is for the faint of heart. And and like I said, uh, we, we, we treat with absolute reverence and humility, just how much effort you have to invest both financially and in time to try to make things go well. And no one enters these endeavors, you know, with anything but hope and expect for the best. And so uh, I, I recognize and want to thank Marcus Evans for everything he's done for the club and appreciate his support for allowing us the opportunity to take it forward. Uh, it's always traditional to wish you good luck. I think it's probably revealing a bit of my hand to say that I actually do mean it at this stage. Good luck. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, James. Let's go to Graham from BBC Suffolk. Okay, thank you. Uh, Brett, Mike, welcome. If I could come to you first of all, Brett, uh, a 14-month process, I gather this has been, and you, and you touched on it there, it's, it, it might have been going on for longer than that. There, there have probably been ups and downs during that period. Just how determined were you to get this deal over the line at this football club? Uh, could not have been more determined, could not have been more focused on it. Again, uh, credit to Michael O'Leary, credit to Marcus Evans, Um and the partners that um, I'm part of, the extended sort of game changer group, my, my partners, Bear Kabakai and Mark Detmer at, at Three Lines. Um, it's an absolute honor. Uh, I, I, it's a dream state to be in, to be sitting here today uh, addressing everyone and having the opportunity to truly say that this is, is we're at the starting line relative to this. But it, it wasn't for the pain of heart by any means. Um, and so now, now the real work begins. But couldn't be more excited to the fact that, uh, again, to Michael and Marcus Evans' credit that we've been able to get to this point. It, it's probably worth noting that COVID interfered with the process. Uh, we began a discussion with Marcus pre the first lockdown. And when that lockdown took place, of course, we were then in very uncertain times. We had no idea how long it would be before revenues were restored to normality. And that caused us to put a hold on things. And we, we put a break on it for, I'm guessing, Brett, was it about three months? Might even have been four. Uh, and at the end of that break, we then lifted the phone again. We got confidence that things were likely to be okay eventually uh, and reopened the discussion with Marcus. Uh, and, and that meant 14 months probably is a little bit extraordinary and, and stretched, but it nevertheless was a lengthy discussion and a lengthy negotiation. Mike Marcus stressed, always stressed that the club was never up for sale, but said he would listen to anyone who he felt could take the club forward. So, so what do you think he has seen in you, Brett, to gain three, do you think? I think it's a mixture. I, I think we're well-funded, so we have the capability... Um, to invest wisely. Um, we have a lot of experience in the teams um, and we have a lot of drive and ambition. Um, and I, I, I think there was a, a very good rapport with Marcus right from the very beginning. Um, we were pretty open with one another about what was important to each of us. Um, and I'm delighted that he's kept a, a 5% stake in it. I think that demonstrates a confidence in us as a group of people. Um, and I, I'm going to enjoy meeting him on match days when he's there uh, to be able to shake his hand and say hello. Brett, Mike said in his interview with the club uh, that you've all got to know what's here and what the opportunities are at Ipswich Town. What, what, what do you see as being the main opportunities? I think to put the club back on its uh, sort of rightful pedestal uh, in, in the world of uh, football, um, you know, in the short term, is 
Mike said, you know, championship is absolutely our goal. But beyond that, uh, I, I don't know why anyone would be investing in English football if they didn't have aspirations to, to get to the Premier League. Um, but the, the fan base is, is, is like exceptional. Uh, I've been positively overwhelmed since the news, the rumors broke relative to outreach. And now that it's official in terms of all the outreach and uh, from the supporters and, and their gratitude and, and optimism, hope uh, relative to what this new era brings. So uh, we, we're very focused on, you know, it, it begins and ends with wins. That's important. Um, and, and positive things accrue when you, when you do that. Um, but we, like I said, we, we will be invested both on and off the pitch, but a big part of, of improving everything really starts by improving the on-field performance. You'd not been involved, Brett, with Phoenix Rising long before the team won the USL regular season title. That came in 2019. Do you have a, a timescale on success at Ipswich Town? We'd like it to start immediately. Um, you know, we, we, hope, we hope that we can get something done between now and the end of this current season. Um, realistically we recognize but we're eternal optimists on this side um but but that being said we have uh, we look forward to working hard between now and and the beginning of next season um and and would like to start to see uh immediate results i mean we we're we're we have a healthy impatience relative to the success that we intend and want to see um but uh, again all that being said we we don't come at this lightly uh, I, the success that i've been fortunate to be a part of relative to phoenix rising We've won trophies the last three years. Um, you just recognize it's not an easy thing to do to ever win a championship. And um, I've been fortunate to be a part of it, but I've also been uh, on, on the receiving end of very, a couple bad seasons, which hurt and makes me, make me appreciate every single win, every single cup, et cetera. But um, I don't want to be shy about the fact that we intend to focus on putting a, a a winning club on the pitch and, and really want to see us uh, certainly in, and hopefully very soon move into championship. I think a lot of supporters, Mike, would stress that it's important that there's someone here that knows the game on, on this side of the Atlantic, which you clearly do. Uh, you hope to have a new chief executive with you soon as well. Can you, can you let us in on that process and when you hope to have that finalised? Well, recruitment is always a bit of a, a varying subject in terms of completion dates and timing. Uh, I'd love to tell you it'll be two days from now. Um, I'm not that good at predicting dates. and it, it, I mean, it could be a, a week, it could be a couple of months. Um, but what we will do is make sure we get the right candidate. And when we found the right candidate, we'll do our utmost to get them in position uh, as soon as we can. And, and how tough a job do you think this is, Mike, to, to get the club into a position when you're knocking on the door of, say, of, say the Premier League? I noticed in the club interview, uh, you say that's you know, where it's to sound, belong longer term. But, but given the team is, is toiling in League One at the moment, that's going to be difficult to get there anytime soon, isn't it? No, no leagues are easy. Uh, it doesn't matter which league you're in. There are opponents in there who are tough to beat. Uh, the league we're in right now, we have 23 opponents. And we have to strive to be better than they are at everything we do. Everything we do. And that includes player trading. It includes performance. It includes fitness. It includes the tactical position that the manager chooses to play. All of those, we need to be the best. 
And if you if you can do that, you've got half a chance of winning something or getting promoted. So there's a lot to work at. We know what the, all those issues are. Um, and we know we've got very talented people already in that club. Uh, I've spent time with a number of them today. Uh, and we'll strive to recruit a really top quality CEO to help us push forward. And just a final question for you, Brett. I gather you're hoping to, to get to a game at some point during the summer and be over here. In the meantime, uh, will you be spreading the Ipswich Town name stateside? And, and how important is it that you do that? Uh, I, you will see, uh, you know, this, this, even though I live in Los Angeles and, and uh, don't need a scarf that often, uh, I, this will be on, on me frequently. I, I, other than sleeping and, and a couple of occasions, I've had this on um, you know, pretty much nonstop since yesterday. It arrived yesterday, so the timing was good on that. I, I was worried that I might have jinxed it by ordering some swag, if you will, from, from the Ipswich website. But, uh, no, I, we will be flying the banner. And, again, uh, I, I think I won the award as best American accent of the three lines or, so, or look good in blue. Um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to be able to speak on behalf of, of the extended group um, but I have some exceptional partners that I look forward to joining me, if you will, on the stage. And, and you know, on, on that note, I think uh, part of our success has been in the States that we built a culture in a short period of time where players want to play for us and they want to succeed with us. And, um, and talent wants to come and, and be a part of our organization. We have every hope and expectation that'll be the same now with our era at, at Ipswich. Um, and so we're, we're beyond excited. I mean, I think on that note, you know, Bear K. Bakai ended up convincing Didier Drogba to come and join USL and join Phoenix Rising. I, I put it down as one of the most, one of the greatest feats in soccer history, getting getting Didier Drogba to come and finish up his career with Phoenix Rising, join our ownership group. And so, well, I don't think we'll bring Didier out of retirement and get him to Ipswich. I, I, I do think it speaks volumes to just how passionate and committed that we are. And by extension, you know, individuals like Bear K. and Mark Depper, who are part of this endeavor, are relative to the ultimate success that we hope and expect and really will focus on bringing to Ipswich. I appreciate both of your time. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Graham. I don't think anyone from Bowers here. If there are, please shout. But otherwise, um, let's go to ITV. Evening, um, Brett and uh, Mike. Good to speak to you. Um, it's Donovan Blake, by the way. Uh, Hello, Donovan. Hi. Um, first one to you, Mike. Um, one thing you came up with was visibility, basically. People can see who you are. Um, that was one thing that the fans didn't have with Marcus Seven. So hopefully they'll be hoping that you'll be more visible and also more accessible as we go forward as well. Certainly do my best. Um, and in previous roles, I've really gone out of my way to try to do that. I think engagement of the fan base is critical already said on this call that they're the ones who really own the club, we don't. Uh, and it's therefore, I think, a right of theirs to be able to have access to us. So the th things like fans forums, things like radio phone-ins, all those, those mechanisms that allow the fan to have access to either the players or the management or the directors or whatever, that's all part of building the family. And I've always found that if you get a football club where everyone's pulling the same way, you've got a much better chance of succeeding than if you've got infighting. You can always tell clubs that have got infighting going on because it translates onto what happens on the pitch. 
Uh, and you can tell those that are together that the fans just raise that atmosphere an extra notch. The players run a little harder and it works. So, yeah, I'm a, a, a huge advocate of that sort of communication to build the family atmosphere. Okay. Um, and to Brett, um, the other thing about the supporters, at the moment you've connected with quite a lot of the fans virtually and it sounds like you've connected with quite a lot of the younger fans as well. Uh, one of the things that we've seen visibly over the years is that the fan base has been quite old. So how confident are you sort of trying to mould the younger fans into the stadium as time goes on? I, I'm excited for any opportunity to engage fans, you know, um, at any any sort of age bracket um, and, and uh, men, women, boys, girls uh, in, in England and beyond. What, what I've been not, uh, not, I shouldn't be surprised by, but, the, the support for Ipswich is global. I, I've had outreach from all corners of the globe relative to these rumors, um, and, and now that's come to fruition. I'm confident it'll continue. I think that's a special part of this club, but uh, you know, a lot of these supporters, I'm sure, came about you know, candidly decades ago. So I, I think for us, it's a great opportunity to start to engage with, with the, the next generation, the upcoming generation, and maybe a gap in a generation that just didn't didn't resonate with the club, maybe because the success wasn't where it had been historically. So w- would love to see that, but uh, I feel the club's got a responsibility to be a very positive beacon in the community and beyond, and very excited for the opportunity for us to play whatever role we can in, as stewards of it in terms of uh, engaging that kind of support, you know, everywhere. And you also touched on performance on the field. Um, I know you said DJ Brooker might be a bit too old to sort of uh, uh, take, put his boots back on him and play for Ipswich. But what about the possibility of bringing some American talent over to uh, East Anglia? I, I would love it. That would be a dream. Um, I'm, I'm very pleased to, with the success of American players over in England and, and in Europe now. Um, I think it portends well for when the World Cup comes back you know, to our shores in 26. Um, but yeah, so, so we'd love that. But uh, conversely, I would love to start to see some of the talent in the Ipswich Academy start to come over to USL. It's a, it's a phenomenal, the league is a phenomenal place for players to get, to get true minutes. And as we know, I mean, there's only 18 players are, are going to dress, and that's a lot of talent that's left literally on the sideline. So I think that'll be an exciting area for us to pursue um, relative to that connectivity. And do you think the, uh, the academy can play a big role in Ipswich's future success as well? For certain, for certain. And, and it's going to be an incredible area of focus for us. Um, I think one of the many benefits relative to the broader catchment areas that, that, that it gets to be a part of, um, so much talent there. Um, but we, we were many, one of many things that we were very interested in was the potential of the academy. And so that'll be a big focus of ours. And again, from my perspective, I can't wait to see how we can, you know, uh, collaborate on both sides of the pond relative to talent there coming here and vice versa. Brilliant. Enjoy your time. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you. Look forward to more time together. Thanks. Thank you very much. I don't know all of you in the same way as, as Brett and Mike don't. I'm looking forward to getting to, to know you all. So if you could maybe just give us a, a very brief introduction. Hello, as I, as I call you, just so that Mike and Brett can, can get to know some faces I'm sure are going to be familiar over the, the coming years. But uh, Stuart, you're, you're up next. Hi Mike, hi Brett, Stuart Watson, East Anglian Daily Times and Ipswich Star, the two daily newspapers who, who cover the club. Um, welcome. Um, did you look at some other clubs 
along the way? Sure, we did. We we probably we probably spent about a year looking more broadly before we uh, focused on Ipswich. So yeah, we we looked at a number, um, but we liked Ipswich the best. Mm-hmm. And um, could you just give us an idea of, of what you've actually acquired in terms of of the training ground, the, the stadium, the uh, things like that? As sure. Um, the, the, let's start with the stadium. The club has a long-term lease on the area on which the stadium is built, but it owns the buildings that are there. So that's a, a sort of an unusual mixture. It's, it's leasehold on the, the actual land, but it's freehold on the, the buildings. At the training ground, the club owns um, pretty much all of it outright. There is a little chunk of about three acres that Marcus has bought or has retained rather and not sold to us. But the vast majority of it has passed over to us. Um, and I think in property terms, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and the majority of the debt has, has been written off, Marcus has said yeah. in his statement. is. Uh, can you give us an idea of, of figures on that or is that something yeah. you don't want to? Um, we have repaid approximately 21 million of debt. Um, Marcus has waived the balance of all other debts that were there. Uh, and remaining, uh, sorry, Marcus hasn't waived all. There's a tiny bit left. There's about 400,000 of debt that remains. And that's debt between Ipswich Town PLC and Ipswich Town Limited. That's the only debt that's left. Apart from that, the club is debt free. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you got a sort of an initial investment figure in, in mind, guys? The initial one? Uh, it, other than saying it's substantial. I'm, I'm not sure we'd want to say much more, really. We, we don't want to ha- hamper our negotiation ability when we want to buy players. But Marcus has always said that he would only, as, as some of the guys have alluded to, it would only be people that can take it forward further than him. And um, Marcus has put a significant amount of money into this club over his 13-year yes. period. And, and Brett, you've mentioned it. This is not for the faint-hearted. Um, big success in the States, but I guess English football is... a uh, is another ball game, so to speak, in terms of, of what's going to be required. You're, you're ready for, for that challenge? Yeah, I know. I think literally and figuratively, it's a, it's a whole other ball game. Um, but yeah, I, I, we've been at this for several years in terms of wanting to make something happen. And as, as Mike has talked to, we've been very focused on Ipswich for a great part of that time. Um, and, and so uh, we, we, and at the risk of repeating myself, I, we, we approach this with complete humility. Um, we, we have enough experience to recognize, I don't care where you are in the world, if you're invested in football and you're trying to win, um, it, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. It requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of money. But all that being said, you know, money isn't the answer to everything. I'm very fortunate to be involved and a part owner of a club in Denmark. Uh, it's one of the lowest payrolls in that league. And we're at last, uh, I think we're sitting in fourth place. So it, it's about m- money's important. Culture is important. Um, you know, the, a, a pride in winning is important, and it's not always going to work out well. But it's, if it's not, then you've got to take accountability for it and continue to make the changes to hopefully get those results. Can I ask you a little bit about your time in in London, Brett, and when you first kind of fell in love with with the beautiful game? When you were over, obviously here with a working role, what, what were the games you who were you watching at that time? 
Yeah, I, I played growing up. Um, I, I did recognize when I started to get into high school that my future in sport lay elsewhere. There was way too much talent out there. So, uh, but I, I had the pleasure of, of running a company um, based in the UK. Uh, I ran the international division for a company called Targus. Um, and so I spent five years there, uh, five incredible years. And I had a front row seat, um, not, not just in England of the beautiful game, but everywhere I traveled around the world. Uh, the common denominator, the, the religion of, for this sport globally, uh, it really, I brought it back to America. And I was really focused on trying to find a way to start to get involved with the sport in the States. And now again, full, really proud to bring it full circle back to England, where I would say for me, it all began. Um, I have a good family friend who is arguably Arsenal's number one supporter. So, you know, ha had a long, long time ago, went to Highbury, you know, saw that firsthand, I've been to Emirates. Um, you know, my allegiance probably shifted over time to, to Chelsea because of my relationship with Didier Drogba. And now I'm all in on Ipswich. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to leave any, any prior loyalty to those clubs well behind, but they deserve credit. My time over there deserves credit relative to what I would say is being the genesis of, of, my initial investment in recognizing that Phoenix was a great untapped soccer market. Um, but once I broke the seal and was able to find the right geography, right partners and start to make, you know, this happen. And this is not an ego play for me. This is, I am invested in this to succeed. I mean, I bring partners in it to succeed and succeed from my perspective means winning. Um, but it's a long, long way of saying that I've always felt that if you're investing in this sport, the ultimate, market is is in, in is in england so this is a dream for me to with this day to now have a club in england and and uh, i i as i've said i take it with complete reverence and humility and hope to make everyone proud and we'll certainly do everything i can and by extension i know my partners will to make this a, a success yeah and a, a wider development in ipswich we've seen with with the portucket project obviously it's a, a huge it goes far beyond the, the, the sports team. Is, is there plans from an Ipswich point of view to have an impact on the, on the town and the, the society in general? Yeah, the quick, quick answer is I hope so. Um, you know, R Rhode Island and some other areas, you know, the Phoenix and Market, the Tucson, I, I, I've kind of looked at the social and economic impact that professional soccer can have in communities and started to, to find ways to, to invest in, you know, what I'll call multi-asset developments that can really create jobs and economic change. So uh, aspirationally, we'd love to start to see that be part of the calculus in, with Ipswich specifically. That being said, from, from inception, the, the, the focus has been to acquire the club and to start to change the trajectory, get it back up to championship, and then ideally start to look at getting it up to the Premier League. So a disproportionate amount of the focus is going to be on winning games and, and investing in both the on and off experience, investing in the academy, et cetera. So mm -hmm. uh, the development would solely be if that was the right thing for the broader community. It's, I, candidly, it's not part of our, our business plan, if you will. Yeah. Just yeah, one more question, if that's okay, then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, sorry. I just, money has been mentioned, time has been mentioned, but contact to... eclectic group of people that you've worked with in the other projects that's going to be a, a huge thing that you're going to bring to the table hopefully I, I hope so I, again I feel very proud of uh, of all the the relationships that we've been able to build up um, and and again my my partnership with 
Bear Cape Akai with Mark Detmer, the relationships that collectively the extended ownership group in Phoenix have, um, ho hopefully we can start to bring that that to bear. I, I do think that increasingly the world of soccer in the most positive sense is getting smaller. And so you, you want to find ways so that a club like Ipswich can leverage um, relationships in the States, relationships on the, on the, on the continent, et cetera. And I think we'll do that. Great. All the very best. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Mel. Hey. Um, I'm the old guy who has strugg who struggles with the new technology. I had to find a mute button and unmute myself. I haven't really got any questions. I will introduce myself. The, 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 the guys have been great in what they've answered so far. There's plenty of information there for me. But um, I would just like to wish them all the best, welcome them on board. I worked for the club for 10 years as their PR officer between 74 and 84, and I had some very good years at the club. And um, if they can get anywhere near, as Mike alluded to earlier, repeating that success, I think there'll be an awful lot of very happy people around. So it's merely me wishing them well, and I'll catch up with them at some time in the future. Thank you, Mel. If all, the questions are easy, if all the questions are that easy over the next few years, then they'll never look <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil. We should, we should have Ham. started with Mel. Oh. <laughs> Hello, yeah, I'm Phil Ham. I run the TWTD website and I write for the Culture Gazette, uh, local newspaper as well. Um, I was just wondering, uh, Mike, about you, you spoke a bit about talking to, to Paul uh, this morning. I just wondered, obviously it was just an introduction, anything you can tell us about the, the conversation you had with Paul? Yeah, of course, lots of things. Um, for a start, we, we found out that we lived about a mile apart when we were younger. Uh, <laughs> the accents may sound slightly different. Um, but yeah, Paul was brought up in um, a, a suburb of Liverpool, which wasn't too very, very far from Ormskirk, where I went to grammar school. So we, uh, we had a few minutes reminiscence about Lancashire and, and Merseyside. We also talked about the opportunity this year and in the longer term, of course. Uh, and we had a very positive com conversation about a lot of hard work that we're going to be doing. Um, so, yeah, we got, we got along really well. <laughs> I could see the look in his eye when I walked in the room. He was thinking, crikey, new owners, does that mean I need a new job? Um, but <laughs> as soon as he discovered that actually he was number one on our list when we were thinking about find, finding a new manager when we did buy this club, he relaxed and, and he, he was, I think, very positive. So we got on, we got on fine. Did he hand you a list of players by the end of the meeting? Was it? <laughs> well, not quite, but I'm expecting that any time. <laughs> it's, it's one of the first things you've got to do now as, as new owners come in and sort of run an audit of different areas of the club where you feel that work needs to be done? Uh, I, I think broadly you're right. I think we need to make sure that the assumptions we've made are correct. And that means getting input from the entire team that is there. Um, clearly, when you do due diligence, you don't have total access to people because otherwise your confidentiality would be out of the window and, and you can't afford to do that. So most of the due diligence that we've done has been either paper-based or um, talking to one or two people who were uh, aware that we were potential investors without actually knowing that we were potential acquirers. So all the, the, the position about acquisition was, was very well maintained under wraps. But now, of course, 
we've got completely unfettered access to all of the management, all of the people who work there, which allows us to have a, a real broad review uh, of what are the areas that need to be addressed quickly, what are the things we need to uh, put on the back burner, what's the prioritisation, basically. And that's underway. We, we literally started that today. And the stadium, you, people have kind of talked about the stadium being a bit run down uh, over the recent years. Is that something you'll kind of look to make improvement on? Will you want town to stay at Portman Road? That's obviously one aspect of the, of a takeover well, often that means moving. Normally, if you start to talk about moving a stadium, you get lynched. So I'm, I'm not about to suggest that, no. Um, the point about um, investment in stadia is really tied in with league position. If you go to a Premier League club, they've got access to investment that is way, way more than anybody else. And surprise, surprise, the stadia that you visit in the Premier League are pristine. The lower you go down the leagues, the more rustic they become. And we're somewhere in the middle right now, and we've not had the benefit of Premier League investment for a little while. So we've got some catching up to do. And, and yeah, there are places where it is a little tired, and there are places where we'd love to have a 500-seater restaurant rather than a 225-seater restaurant, etc. But that takes time. We're not going to do that overnight. Uh, I remember at, at my previous club, it took a decade for their stadium to really catch up. Uh, and we did it a bit at a time. We didn't. We didn't do stupid things i think there was one stand that we built in rebuilt in its entirety but apart from that we did it a piece at a time and it's it's now a, a very pretty stadium that's fun to go to uh, and the pension fund that um is, is kind of the, the money behind is there anything you can tell us about that I, I, the whisper i heard was a police and fire service of, of a it's, US it's state. a classic investment fund where you have a spread of investments so that you have some that are very blue chip that are all about dividend. You have others that are uh, a higher reward type of speculative investment and everything in between. And they try and balance where they invest so that if certain sectors do well, they, they will be okay. But if certain sectors do badly, they're balanced by others that do better. And it, it, it just so happens that this market really fits with one of the sectors that, that is, if you like, part of their profile for investment. And, and they've been looking at investing in, in UK um, football for a little while. Um, so it's a happy marriage. We won't see much of them. Uh, they won't be involved in the day-to-day -day running of the club at all. Um, they won't even have a seat on the board. Um, they're, they're happy to invest in the fund that ORG has put together. So ORG is their custodian in many respects. Um, and even with ORG, Ed Schwartz, who is the, the lead there, will sit on the board of, of GC20, but he's not going to be spending a lot of time here. He'll probably visit two or three times a year. Um, most of the running of the club will be the CEO. Mm. And Last question of that yeah, sort yeah. before I feel... Yeah. Um, the CEO, there's been a lot of talk about Mark Ashton, Bristol City. Anything you can tell us about that at all? I know you've worked with him before. I, I think I've, probably, I've said as much as I really want to about the CEO recruitment. We've got a process underway and we've got people we're looking at uh, and there's timing of, of um, when we can recruit that really hinges on circumstances for the people that we've been examining. Uh, I know Mark very well, um, have done for a long time, uh, and he's a good guy. Um, but no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to speculate further on people at this point. It's too early. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and good luck to both of you. Thank, thank you very you. much.
Thanks, Phil. Uh, Nick Ames. Nick, I have to congratulate you on your journalism because about a couple of weeks ago, Brett followed me on Twitter. I mean, in about 30 minutes, you were checking me out on LinkedIn and <laughs> you're doing everything you possibly could. So you've been keeping your eye on this story well. So uh, well done on, on that. But I'll, I'll throw the floor open to, to you. That's just about my only two, point, two, two plus two equals four moment in my career. So uh, I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you. And um, um, Mike and Brett, welcome. Um, I'm, I'm cards on my table. I'm an Ipswich fan, so delighted to to um, to see you both, obviously. And um, I write for the Guardian in London. Um, question for Brett, if I can. Um, there's maybe been a perception that, um, quite aside from sort of spending big transfer fees or anything like that, maybe Ipswich under the previous ownership haven't haven't operated maybe smartly enough in terms of thinking outside the box and, and maybe looking at other ways to to make marginal gains and get better now. I wouldn't expect you to, to comment on that, but um, maybe looking at innovations that maybe have been popular in the US, such as the use of analytics and certain sports science and, and conditioning factors. Um, is there anything in, in particular that's worked for you at Phoenix so far that you would look to or want to translate um, at Ipswich? Uh, so I, I think to your point, sport is evolving rapidly. And uh, any any club that's not leveraging data um, and evolving to recognize, you know, how, how to make that a competitive advantage is is behind the times. Um, and so, I think that will be part of the DNA that that um, we we instill into the club. And I think you know, as we talk about and and fill the the role of that CEO, which is critical. Uh, I'm confident that whoever it is will be forward-looking relative to, you know, really adopting, you know, best practices and and new technology, et cetera. I, I, it, it's evolving so quickly, and and you got to try to find every single competitive advantage you can. Um, and the ways that were done in the past, you know, certainly, you know, can't be can't be relied on in the future for for success. You're going to have to evolve in that regard. So for sure. Sure. And then um, going back partly to what you said about maybe bringing academy players to Phoenix and, and things like that. Obviously, there's, there's quite a vogue now for, for, um, for club networks. Um, I think Barnsley, for example, in the championship are part of a very successful one indeed. And I know that you work, obviously, with Helsingor and, and other clubs in the States as well. Would you, would you ever consider or have you considered making it part of a formal network between clubs like that? Or are you thinking of setting something up informally? How, how do you see that kind of structure maybe benefiting you in future? Yeah, for sure. Right now, it's it's informal. I mean, up until 24 hours ago, didn't know whether or not this would would truly come to fruition. Um, but I, I think longer term, I'd love to see something be more formal, if you will. I I'm blessed now that I look at the landscape. I I'm involved with Phoenix, with Tucson, with Rhode Island, with Helsinger, and now with Ipswich. Um, so. Informally, I would love to leverage uh, the talent that's in the broader ecosystems and, again, figure out where, where best to, to place it. Formally, if there's a way to, to make that connectivity um, uh, and, and the affiliation more direct, fantastic. But I, I've got to just be very careful with it because I'm, I'm on every single side of the ledger, if you will. But all, all that being said, I think there's so much phenomenal talent. And if, if I take pride in anything, I think every club that I'm associated with has a history of treating players well and being a great place for them to, to further their careers and, and have every interest and intention of that being 
the case in Ipswich all the way down, and especially with the academy. We really want it to be a place where, where players want to come and, and play and where their extended families feel very comfortable that regardless of where they go in their future, that their time with us and part of our organization and culture has been well spent and invested. Um, if I could ask you one more and then one for Mike, if, if that's okay. Um, it's a fairly broad one, really. You obviously started out at Phoenix almost from nothing, and you built it up into something that everyone who I speak to over there has only got good words about you guys. They're, they're glowing about it. Can you talk a bit about the, philosophy, the philosophies that have underpinned that from the start when you thought, okay, we're going to do this at Phoenix? What are you envisaging? Uh, I, the credit... Uh, I, I like to appropriately give the credit to Berkay, Bakai, to Mark Detmer, and to the incredible partners that we have in Phoenix Rising, in which uh, we've got a very active board. Um, and the leadership that's part of that, um, they all dedicated, dedicated an incredible amount of their time to making that club a success. Uh, we feel very fortunate with our relationship with USL, the league in the six, seven years now that I've been involved with it. It's been extraordinary how well that league is done and the quality and caliber of the players, the teams, uh, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think all, all of that's been very positive, but, you know, from, from, uh, from my, my perspective, uh, I, I, my first two seasons as owner of Arizona United, um, you know, they were difficult seasons. Uh, the team didn't do well on the pitch, and there's a lot of reasons behind that. Um, so everything started to change when I met Mark Detmer and Bear K. Bakai, and I convinced them, along with some others, to come invest in this franchise to, to uh, rebrand it to Phoenix Rising. And we built a stadium in a great location, and, and Bear K. convinced Didier Drogba uh, to come and join us and finish up his career and join our ownership group. Uh, so all of those things, I, I think rightly so, we could be very, very proud of. Um, I, I, and I don't, but I don't want to kind of maintain that just because we've been successful in starting up Phoenix, that all of a sudden makes us, you know, the, the, the panacea for anything that ills, you know, Ipswich relative to, to the past. Um, with, I, I feel confident that we will be tireless in terms of investing both the time and the money and the culture and the character to make Ipswich the, the special place that it is, the special club that, that it, it truly is. Um, and, and hope with complete humility, we can do that, you know, starting today and, and start to see the results immediately, but recognize uh, it takes, it takes a lot more. Sometimes you just need a little luck. Sometimes that ball needs to, you know, on a related note, last year, Helsinger got promoted up to the second division in Denmark. Uh, you know, if a ball, uh, in the last minutes of the game of the last game of the season, it hit the crossbar and, and fortunately did not go in. If it had gone in, you know, we're still down in the lower division. So none of this is easy. None of this for the fan of heart. And sometimes you need the ball to live, just bounce the right way. Sure. Thank you. And um, just a, a quick one for Mike, cause I know there are other people too. Um, um, Mike, you've been involved obviously for quite a while in football. You've been involved at West Brom and Oxford, but um, basically what, um, what made you want to come back in? And um, and and how um, we get like this? I think it's an opportunity. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I enjoy this industry. It's a tough industry. Um, it's testing, and it, it's it's odd because football clubs aren't very big businesses. They're relatively small, but they are a lot more complex than people give them credit for. And and you're you're scrutinised mercilessly 
Um, just look at you lot all talking to us here now. Uh, but that scrutiny really does mean that you've got to be on top of your game the whole time. Um, and I, I really enjoy being part of that. I think it's fun. Um, and if you can learn from experience to make yourself be more successful, then I think it's even better. Uh, and yeah, I've, I've seen things that people have done wrong. Um, I've seen things that people have done really well. So some of that experience, I hope, will help us on our path. Um, but I'm looking forward to, to, to the, the company and my colleagues. And I think we'll, we're going to have a, a, a chance to do something special. Good luck, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Matt you. Slater, finally then. So, um, Matt, you've had everyone chasing your tail over the last few weeks. You were the first with a story. So maybe it's appropriate you, you bring up the tail yourself uh, today. <laughs> a bit like Mel. Just say, you know, hello. Well done. You got over the line. Um, good luck. Thank you. Um, you've answered everything tonight. So, you know, this is a great start. Um, I suppose just one quick one. I mean, Brett, are you, are you still thinking MLS? Can you, do, can you do both? I mean, Sacramento have pulled out. Very expensive. Yeah, we, we are so content and honoured relative to our role, relationship, and success uh, with USL. Uh, I, again, I, I, I don't think you'll find a bigger cheerleader than me relative to, to that league. And, and look, I, I, I'm very good at speaking up both sides of my mouth. Um, I, I've got the utmost respect for MLS. But uh, that being said, I also have the utmost respect for USL. I, I'm bullish on football in North America for a lot of reasons. Um, I feel very proud to be associated with the sport in, in this country. And now particularly proud to be involved with the sport in England. Um, you know, so not, not trying to dodge the question, but, you know, a a MLS is a very, very different model. Um, and, and again, if you look at my, um, my role in Phoenix, and if you look at what I've got involved in, in Tucson and Rhode Island, I, I think USL is such a brilliant model relative to, you know, how to bring the beautiful game to, to communities. And, you know, the difference between America is it doesn't have the history with the sport. That, you know, it's, it's inspiring to think about the history of, of Ipswich in the community. And, I mean, it's, it's just mind-boggling to think about what it's meant to that broader community. I mean, you know, Phoenix Rising, it's, this is our fifth year officially as Phoenix Rising. I mean, that's a rounding error for Ipswich's history. <laughs> but, but it's great to be involved with a sport that can make such a big impact in a country that obviously, you know, I care so much about and you know, I'm a part of. Great. Thank you. Good luck. Appreciate you. it, Matt. I look forward to more time together. Thank you. Okay. So is this Lee from BBC, I think, wants to ask a couple of questions on the end. Are you there, Lee? Yes, I am. Now, I think, um, Brett, we've already talked to you today. It's been lovely to hear from you, but uh, I think we've already talked to you today. So I'm going to just ask Mike some questions, if that's all right. You can have a nice, well-earned rest. I'm, look, I'm going to start getting jealous, but I, I, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, Mike, um, I'm just looking at your... Could, is there any way that you can kind of just move up a little bit? Because I think you were quite far low down on the camera. How's that? That's... Bit better, just a little bit more. <laughs> you just yes. want to see my books I've got on the bottom <laughs> shelf, don't you? 
That's much better. Thank you so much, Mike. Really appreciate that. So um, again, I'm really sorry if I'm going to ask some of the same questions that's already been asked. It's because, you know, we treat this like a fresh interview. I've only got two or three questions anyway, Mike. So okay. that's all right with you. So Mike, first of all, I mean, how, how did this come about then? Because it's understood that you've been driving this deal for about a year now. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably true to say it's the most intricate, complex M&A deal I've ever worked on in my life. And I've done a lot of them. Uh, I, I think in my sort of what you might call proper career before I got into football, I used to help to run tech stocks uh, that were usually publicly quoted. Uh, and there were one or two of those were very acquisitive businesses. And we probably bought somewhere between 50 and 100 companies over a 20-year period. None of those acquisitions was anywhere near as complex as the one we've just been through. Um, so I'm not surprised it took a year because they are complex and there is a ton of emotion involved. I, I remember vividly going through the process we have gone through with Marcus and there was one day when I looked at him and I could see his face with realisation on it. This was him walking away from owning this club. And that's a big, big issue for someone who has had the dream of, of owning their boyhood club uh, and, and actually fulfilled it. And he got through it and we completed the deal, credit to him. It would have been so easy for a man of his wealth to suddenly turn around and say, you know what, I don't want to do this. I want to keep it. So that, that was a, a really challenging part of it. Um, where did it come from? Well, I was very fortunate to be introduced to Brett and his colleagues by a mutual acquaintance. And we talked about what sort of investment they were considering in British football. Um, and that led to a bit of a study on what was out there and what we might be able to buy and where there was good value to be had and where there was great opportunity to be had. And all of that sort of transpired into the conclusion that Ipswich was a great opportunity. Uh, and there, we then approached Marcus 14 months or so ago and said, would you care for a conversation about an investment or even an acquisition? Uh, and I remember going to his home in London and we met and um, he was receptive. Um, and it was absolutely in line with everything he said. He doesn't have to sell, didn't want to sell particularly. But if he found a great home for the club that could take it forward, he'd consider it. And consider it, he did. The rest is history. You've kind of already answered my next question because my next question was, why Ipswich Town? But well, I guess it's because of, well, the opportunity that came about. I think it's a mixture of things. I've told a story a couple of times about when I was a young man. Um, I, I, I was born in West Bromwich. You can probably tell from my accent. Um, and I, I used to go and watch Baggies games regularly. And in, um, when I was about 25, West Brom got to the semi-final of the Cup. Uh, and they were drawn to play uh, their semi-final at Highbury, and it was 1978. Uh, and I remember going to that game and being particularly miserable because we expected to win, and we were walloped 3-1 by Ipswich. Um, but on the way home chatting to my friends who'd travelled with me that day, 
like so many others, we said, okay, well, that's it. We've been knocked out by Ipswich. We're going to support them in the final. Uh, and in the final, Ipswich played against Arsenal and duly won 1-0 and we were all cheering for them. So I've always had a soft spot for Ipswich as a result of that. Maybe that's contributed to the fact that this was such an appealing opportunity for us. Um, they've always had great teams. Uh, I say always. The last few years, we've struggled a bit. But certainly when I was growing up in the, the 60s, the 70s and the early 80s, they were fabulous teams. Half the Blooming England squad came out of the Ipswich team. Half the Scotland squad came out of the English team and the Irish centre-half. You got, you got such a great strength here, coupled with the management. So that heritage, that history, that um, fan base built on the back of all that, that success made this a pretty compelling opportunity for us to look at. Look, the one thing that fans will want to know is what will you bring to, to, to this club? You know, are you prepared to splash the cash? Um, we've, got, uh, we've got funding that we think is pretty good and we will take it in a stepwise appropriate manner. So we know what we think we need to do to be able to get from where we are to the championship and we know pretty much what we, we need to do if we're going to go a step beyond that and try and get to the Premier League. So we know what we're in for. Uh, we've got backers who are content with those plans. Am I going to tell you the exact number of pounds? No, I'm not. Um, but <laughs> clearly so. Marcus is satisfied that we fulfil that condition that we are funding at an appropriate level and we have um, every opportunity to take the club forward. And clearly on the back of that funding, you then need to assemble appropriate skills and you have to apply them properly and you have to work hard. And if you do all of those things, you've got half a chance. <laughs>